This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Well, I can't remember the last time there was a Friday the 13th in October. I I think it's been thousands of years. I mean, it may have just happened last year, but I believe it hasn't happened in millennia. And this weekend is sort of a perfect storm for watching horror movies. Because at least in the area in which I live, there's expected to be a great deal of rain. In all over the country, people are closing their offices on Friday because of this day of rage. A lot of people working from home. And we know what working from home means. It means not working. It means you're home. And um, if you go around town, there is Halloween store after Halloween store that is opening. Children are picking out their costumes and people are already planning their candy acquisition strategy for the next 19 days. So. We have assembled, since this is the first Friday the 13th in October, I think in thousands of years, at least since there's been horror movies, we have assembled an A-list horror movie panel for the hour to discuss what you might want to check out this weekend, to answer questions you may have about horror movies, and to have an overall discussion about kind of where we're going in the horror genre. Very pleased to welcome Nicholas Tana, who is a writer, director, an award-winning filmmaker, musician, and the creator of the graphic novel Hell's Kitty. He's in town uh, for something very exciting, in part the launch of his new graphic novel. Hello, Nick. Hi. Happy to be here. What's the name of your new graphic novel? E-Junkie. E-Junkie. Yes. And what are you in town for? Comic-Con? It's the New York Comic-Con. Uh, well, that's exciting. Yeah, that's absolutely. Exciting. Love it. What's E-Junkie about if people... E-Junkie stands for Experience Junkie. It's a sci-fi horror, very dystopian theme, and um, it's set in a world in the not-too-distant future, 2055, in which pain and suffering has been completely eradicated through the use of these emo regs or emotional regulation devices. And you can actually see how people are feeling with colors. Wow. And um, there's this group that believes we need pain and suffering as part of the human experience called the Guardians of Pain, who have curated the most painful moments in human history through DNA scraping of corpses. So they're bringing back everything from the Holocaust to the Roman crucifixions to the Salem witch trials and they're bringing it, selling it on the black market to a society that's forgotten pain and suffering. Well, at the rate we're going, that actually is an uplifting story because <laughs> it's not looking like we're going to make it to 2055 as a, a society. So that's uh, that's exciting. E-Junkie. Where can people check that out? Um, it's 
mostly where most books are sold. But right now, I've heard that that, that we've sold out on Barnes and Noble. We've sold out on uh, Amazon. Scout Comics is the original publisher. There's still some issues left in the first print run there. Um, and uh, and I'll have some copies at St. Mark's Comics in Brooklyn on Saturday for a signing at eight o'clock. Cool, wonderful. Uh, they, they can spend their rainy Saturday with with you at St. Mark's Place. That's exciting. All right. Also very exciting. I'm pleased to welcome. Uh, a colleague, someone I am very fond of, someone who not only has keen insights to everything, and you know, you all have somebody like this at your workplace. There's only a handful of people at your workplace that really kind of get it, and this is someone that really gets it. She also has a wonderful voice, a wonderful disposition, and there are many, many days where... She is my sole sanity in dealing with these um, knuckleheads that uh, that I work with on a regular basis. Very pleased to welcome Gina Limberopoulos, who is the social media manager for Red Apple Media and a horror film enthusiast and gets extra points in my book for wearing a Friday the 13th t-shirt. Hello, Gina. Hey, what's going on, Frank? Pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. Are you appearing anywhere uh, this weekend that people should be aware of? Um, I'm going to the Staten Island... Thing at the Ferry Hawks with the, you know the. Oh great! I, we just gave away tickets to that. Comic Con so all... is coming up tomorrow. I'll be there as well. well right, tonight, so... today. Oh my God! What time is it? I, I don't even know. You, what time I, I, I just got into Friday a big. Friday the thirteenth. Conf- I will be at Comic Con. I got a lot into a big confusing text message exchange about whether today is today <laughs> or tomorrow with somebody. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's exciting. Welcome, Gina Limberopoulos, and someone that is no stranger to this program, veteran. Talk show guest, veteran media producer, satirist, and the host of the Jersey Shore's premier Halloween party, which I have attempted to go to for the last three years. Never quite made it. I'm hoping that Friday the 13th may be unlucky for some. I'm hoping this is the lucky year for me. Marlena Schiavo. Hello, Marlena. Hello, Frank. I was listening to the show on the way in, and I heard the caller talk about an Android sex version of you. Did you get excited? And, well, I, I, well, no. Yeah, but he did, and he you. wanted to watch his wife um, and you, which I, <laughs> I heard radio silence from you on that. But um, I, I could promise you that was a first. I've never heard that before. <laughs> but... <laughs> But um, uh, we're going to be talking about horror films, and I feel like um, that was scarier than anything I have heard in a very long time. I can't disagree. Especially the part where you said if it was anatomically correct. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Let us get started. An in-depth, persuasive, interesting discussion of... I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and... The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Are you alone in the house? Randy, that's so unoriginal. I'm disappointed in you. Maybe that's because I'm not Randy. Here's Johnny. How sweet. Fresh meat. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. I thought you were supposed to be an expert. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. Now, if you've seen as many psychotics as I have, you'd realize that's the same thing as saying you're Napoleon Bonaparte. And here we are. Uh, I'm just seeing and hearing some of those clips really takes you back in time to exactly where you were when you first saw those films. Uh, my thanks to Christine, by the way, for putting that montage together. Let me uh, let me say hello to uh, Gina and ask you, Gina, 
But what is it about horror films that you think so captivates audiences and they've so captivated them for 90 years? Why do you like horror films? Well, I always say there's something about being able to escape from reality, um, like living on the edge and then subconsciously knowing that you're going to be safe in the end of it. Like when you're watching a horror movie, there's this feeling of, of, of like being scared, obviously. But, you know, if you're going to be home, you're going to be wrapped up in your blanket, drinking a cup of tea. You know, nothing's going to happen to you, but you still have this. It's like almost like pushing you right to the edge of feeling fear, feeling you're in danger, but you know you're not in danger at all subconsciously. And it also opens up an entire uh, other wave of feeling creativity in a different way. I feel like horror genre opens up a creativity level unlike any other genre there is out there. I think that horror has so many different avenues that you can hit on and you can get creative with kills, with plot twists, with storylines, with character development. There's just so much you can do with horror and between that and submerging yourself in fear that doesn't actually exist. What, what do you think, Nick? Is Gina on to something there? I think she's spot on. Um, I think to take it to a more succinct level, it's you're never more alive than when you're facing your mortality or death. And I think when you watch horror movies and you embrace that side, the darker side of reality, you get the intense adrenaline rush of being really alive of knowing that life is you're mortal and it's not going to last forever and you get to feel uh, it's sort of like living many lifetimes in one life when when you're able to do that marlena my wife rachel refuses to watch horror movies she gets so scared that if there's even a commercial for a horror movie on either she has to leave the room or i have to um she has to close her eyes until the commercial is over. Why do some people react the way Rachel does, whereas other people react the way Gina does? Um, well, first of all, did you know that about her before you guys got married? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I probably did. I probably did. Um, okay. Well, you know what? Actually, Eric is uh, very much the same way. He actually has to cover his eyes with certain things, and I find it insane considering that he's a grown adult. But um, I just think that, you know... <laughs> There are people who like the adrenaline rush of things. Like there are people who like roller coasters. I'm one of those people, you know, and there are people who are deathly afraid of roller coasters. Eric's one of those people. So I feel like they go hand in hand in a certain way. Like things that scare you are just things that scare you. I don't know why they're wired that way. I'm not, you know, I don't know. But um, I feel for them because they're missing out on a lot of excitement. You've always been a horror fan, though. Always. Since I was very, very young and. You know, when I was um, single digits, I'll say six, seven years old, um, I used to build little like this little cemetery. Um, I used to cut out tombstones and build cemeteries in my room like and play with my dolls in that cemetery. And then I'd be scared to death of the cemetery at night. But um, and my mother's like, why do you build these things if you don't like them? And I'm like, I do like them. I only like them when it's daytime, though, you know. It's just like a weird fascination. Did your mom show you horror films at a at a young age? Um, I don't think she necessarily showed them to me, but she didn't necess- necessarily shield them either because I was obsessed with them. Nightmare on Elm Street came out when I was really young. I was probably in f- third grade, and I um, 
I wasn't really allowed to watch it, but I found a way to watch it. Um, you know, you know, it's funny, Nick. I um, my mother did show me horror films at a at a young age because she liked them and she wanted to watch them. So I was in the house or tagging along with her You're as a, cool a five mom. year old, six year old. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I loved it. I thought it was really fun. I really didn't find it, t- it terribly frightening, and to the point of getting nightmares and stuff. So much so, she showed when we were five or six years old, um, my next door neighbor and I a horror film. And, I, you know, I went on with the rest of my day and my neighbor apparently told his mother he couldn't sleep at all. He was really shook to the core. After your mom showed? Yes, yes. I mean. Well, the, that wasn't his mom. Right, exactly. See, exactly. like when your mom shows you something, I guess you feel it's kind of a little endorsed. It's safe, right? But if someone else's mom shows it, I mean, that's like the neighbor's <laughs> mom. Like, you know. Or, well, right. Well, I show my kid. Now, I have a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old and my 6-year-old is like me. She loves it. And. And my uh, 10-year-old is like my husband, and she hides, but she wants to see it, but she doesn't want to see it. Your 10-year-old is like your husband? (laughs) (laughs) Did I hear that right? (laughs) My 10-year-old is like, yeah, yeah, exactly, right. That somehow makes sense. Got to meet your husband. (laughs) Uh, Nick, what's your favorite horror film, excluding anything that you've made yourself? You know, I knew you would ask me that, and I'm still not comfortable answering it because I like so many. It's like, what's your favorite child? You know, um, it really depends on my mood for what it is. Like, sometimes I'm in the mood for, like, sci-fi horror right like and the when blob you're in that mood you go blob you go blob i love the blob yeah mm-hmm. and or, or you're even like body snatchers which version of the pre- blob? predated the blob by a couple of years i think too so the 50s I like version the original of the blob. because it had that like you know it, it, it captured the um the the teenage angst of like you know a james dean you know uh, you know it, it had all that with the sociopolitical overtones of like it it kind of like mimicked its own genre in a way because you don't have a it's an amorphous creature so it's like it first time takes this like that that creature that would get you and and doesn't even put a face on it so it's like it's it's like its own reflection of its of that genre in a way I think it was way ahead of its time Gina you know it's obviously they can make a lot of films with a certain amount of technology special effects makeup advancements that make uh, the era of the fifties let alone the forties or the thirties pale in comparison how do you think those older films uh, films like uh, Dracula or even even the blob or the original invasion of the body snatchers how do they hold up to the horror movies of today the uh, saw franchise the all the films that have uh, that have been made recently that people are always going on and on about well i think they definitely still do hold up and i know for a fact that they have a huge following still because just being at halloween horror nights in orlando this year they have an entire universal monsters house that's based off of creature from the black lagoon bella lugosi's dracula phantom of the opera invisible man wolfman all of them. But I do definitely think that they still hold up and they do hold weight because if without them, we wouldn't be where we are now with horror movies because with those plot lines, we have the plot lines that we have now that moved all across time. And I feel like horror movies have evolved in phases. And we started in like the 1800s with a French film, which was called um, it was like The Haunted Castle or um, some it was, it was different versions of it. But I go by The Haunted Castle. So we started with that. And then we had Nosferatu right after that. Mm. And then we had. There was things in between until we got to Bela Lugosi's Dracula. So we kind of built all through this time. And then by the time we got to the 50s, then we started getting things like the blob and all of that. So what's your favorite if you had to pick one? Gun to your head. Or, <laughs> that's, that's uh, a, or a machete to your I have neck. A, <laughs> I have like a ranking, honestly, of my favorites. Because there's a difference between 
favorite franchises and favorite films. So I always say my favorite franchise by far is still Scream. I know it sounds like a basic answer, but Wes Craven had such a brilliant mind with that movie and making things meta and making fun of horror movies Mm -hmm. while still making something terrifying because it was so realistic because it could happen. You could have a serial killer. How did in your you like the new Scream, by the way? I loved it. Me I too. loved it. I, I just a saw lot it of recently. I thought it was like terrific. Iffy on it and everything, but I thought it was really well done. I love Jenna Ortega in the new ones in six, in five and six, and I think that they're kind of spot on with it. And I think that they utilized New York well. People said that they didn't, but when you're from New York, sure. No, no, I would. The agree train with you. scene itself was. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It says some people think it's a horror movie every time you go on the subway exactly. these days. Uh, but I, I interrupted you. I interrupted you. Non franchise, what would you pick as your favorite film? If you had to pick, Machete well, to Your Neck. Machete to My Neck. Oof. All right. Well, A24 is huge right now. That's an entire film. Fr- it's not a film franchise, it's a film company. And they have a couple movies that they've done over the last few years. So I'd probably say Hereditary is up there for one of my favorites of all time right now. It's incredible. See, uh, this is how far behind the times I am. I'm not even familiar with Hereditary. It's psychological, supernatural horror. It is unlike anything you will ever see in a very long time. It's absolutely incredible. Have you guys seen Hereditary? Are you guys up on that? I have seen it. It, Does it live up to Gina's build-up here? I'm one of the very rare people that doesn't really like it that really? much. Really? Okay, well, good. Hey, I, I mean, wonder why. I'm just curious. Why? Well, I mean, I think it definitely had a lot of suspense, and it had its. Yeah. He, he knows how to pace things, and there's certain scenes in that are really, really what they would say elevated i guess yeah. um but the ending for me really just did not work that's um, fair yeah. I, I i it's funny because when i sat in the theater i had to sit there and think about it for a little while and it was weird to me but then i watched it and again. that voiceover that comes in over the whole thing like <laughs> explain stuff for you that didn't bother you at all like it bothered no. me I don't know. <laughs> marlena if you're if you're making a pick machete to your neck favorite horror film what is it it's halloween it's the original halloween but it Respect. that is also my favorite franchise um, and as you know, I have a seven foot animatronic of um, Michael Myers in my house that stands in the window right now awesome. as we speak <laughs> across from my six year old's room. Um, and, um, you know, uh, and this morning, actually, on the way to school, I they my, my kids were arguing and I just put on the theme to Halloween, just that, the, you know, the t- tubular bells right. and they both stop <laughs> <laughs> and they and, and it just like it just squashed their like squabble. And I said. I'm just going to play this the whole way to school. You, you know what <laughs> irks me about the Halloween franchise is uh, I don't like, and I, I've expressed this uh, to Marlena publicly and privately before, but I don't like how they keep starting and stopping the continuity. I mean, okay, we're going to count Halloween 1, then Halloween 2, then Halloween 4, Halloween 5. Oh, and then we're going to restart with Halloween H2O. Reboot. None of those three films count. It's just the first two that count. And then there's a a sequel to that. And then, oh, we're going to restart again. I mean, come on. It's too much. It it just comes across as too much of a money grab. I wasn't crazy about that last one, Halloween Ends. What did you guys think? I mean, do you think anything's... Not too much of a money grab once she gone past ah, two. You know, <laughs> honestly, Halloween Ends was so disappointing for me, and I'm a Halloween fan. Like I love Michael Myers. I have like the hoodies. I have a poster in my bedroom. Like I'm obsessed <laughs> with this movie, but in the whole franchise. But Halloween Ends fell so flat for me because first of all, the first half of the movie felt like I was watching Sleepless in Seattle. It made no sense at all whatsoever. <laughs> and then you, you go into the second half of it, and I what I wanted was a follow up of Halloween Kills with Laurie Strode. 
and Michael Myers fighting on the floor right. of where it all began. That's what I wanted. And that's not what you got at all whatsoever. Yeah, no, you're right. I thought it was a big disappointment. All right. So a film that I guess a lot of people thought started out as sort of a Halloween ripoff. And I think even Sean S. Cunningham, uh, the producer of this film, has acknowledged that that's what it was meant to be, is the reason we're all here today. Did you know that a young boy drowned the year before those two others were killed? The counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. His name was Jason. A franchise uh, that has made people never look at camp or hockey masks the same way. (laughs) Um, What are your guys' feelings collectively on the Friday the 13th franchise? I think it's a comedy. I mean, it's hard to watch uh, Friday the 13th any other way. Um, You can, it's more of a fun movie um, for, for anybody because it's so fake. And it's so ridiculous that he can walk so just he has a fast walk, but can catch up to anyone. That's how he chases people. And they're (laughs) running for their lives. And somehow he he reaches them. That's that in and of itself is funny. So I think that is is a fun thing to watch. I wouldn't call it scary, though. I think it's. Yeah, Yeah, but you would say Halloween is scary. Um, yes, it has more of a horror feel to it. I can't say that I'm necessarily scared, but it, it it definitely keeps me clenched where Friday the 13th, it's like I'm, you know, I could be, I could be doing anything. I could be filing my nails and watching yeah. it and what, not What about care. you, Jenny? Are you filing your nails I, during uh, Friday the 13th? I completely <laughs> agree with you. I love the Friday the 13th franchise because it quite literally is camp horror, but it's camp horror. <laughs> like, it's one of the campiest horror franchises of all time to me because, like, like you're saying, like, it's not scary per se and, like... It's the whole premise of like, you know, like if you don't do the do, you'll survive. That's, a, that's essentially what Friday the 13th is about. Um, and I then, just I love how there's always like somebody's lost and they stop at the gas station. And oh, then yeah. the, the gas station attendant knows what's going on. Yeah. It, that that all, all of that. I actually wait for those things in the movie. What I do love, though, about it is that there have been what was it that maybe I'm confusing things. But when they do like homages to different ones, I guess Halloween does that a lot think of friday 13th does scream does scream well, definitely yeah, well, obviously the whole film would scream but I Hall- mean. halloween did in 1978 it, the thing was on tv in oh, the movie oh, while she was during her act during halloween laurie show was watching the thing while she was babysitting oh really yeah uh, what about you nick what are your thoughts on uh, friday the 13th as a film and as a franchise i mean i love there's a lot of films right so i do think there's there's an element of camp but i also think it can be scary um i think um I mean, I, I think it's dreamlike scary, like that he can catch up to you like that. Yeah. He's like this ghoul figure and that, you know, you don't really know the rules of him. But I, I do love Halloween and Halloween's absolutely scary, especially the hospital episode. You know, the one movie where they're in the hospital. Hospitals are scary. Oh, yeah. You know? Halloween, so, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Halloween, too. That yeah. to me was one of the most scary films of the slasher genre. Yeah, no, I would concur. Nicholas Tana is here. Marlena Shivo is here. Gina Limberopoulos is here. And if you're just tuning in, we are way ahead of the game uh, because so far no one has uh, called anyone Hitler. And uh, we are... That is light years ahead of where we were the last time we did one of these panel discussions. Uh, If you missed our last panel discussion here, talk about a horror. Here's a little bit of what you missed. Somebody who thinks savagery is okay, you shouldn't eradicate it. And thank God you weren't around during World War II or the rest of the world would be saluting Hitler and I would be a lampshade. 
But that's what people okay. who have fascinating historical analogy. I'm, I'm, I'm very really impressed that you thought of that one. Tortured one. So, Debbie, um, just so just so everybody's clear as to where you view this conflict, you do make a distinct. Debbie distinct... is anti-Hitler. Congratulations. Well, I think we're all anti-Hitler. Oh, now I'm Hitler. No, no, you know, no. He said you're anti-Hitler. He said you're anti-Hitler. He said you're anti-Hitler. People like you said I, I think to she ignore it. Hearing or reading De- Debbie, <laughs> Debbie, Michael did say you're anti-Hitler, and I, I think that's one issue we can all agree on. We're all against Hitler. No, but... he just compared me to Hitler. Well, he said no. He said kind of sarcastically, "You're anti-Hitler." <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, everything with him is sarcasm when he wants to get out of it. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. It's Friday the 13th. We are discussing horror with Gina Limberopoulos, Nicholas Tana, and Marlena Schiavo. Obviously, there are some very well-known horror films. We've talked about a bunch already. Obviously, one that we haven't mentioned. It might be over 90 years old. It's still a classic. They estimate that there might be upwards of 800 different versions of Frankenstein, going from the comedic, like young Frankenstein, to the romantic and the horrific. Um, It's uh, certainly a film that inspires a great deal of debate. When you're talking about uh, Boris Karloff, when you're talking about James Whale, when you're talking about which of the sequels is best, um, where do you guys come down on the Frankenstein franchise? Well, I love the universe. Like I said before, I love the universe of monsters. I love the Bride of Frankenstein and and Frankenstein itself. So probably that whole era of Frankenstein, and then obviously the classic, like with the books going all the way back. Well, to what about when, when say Robert De Niro is playing Frankenstein? Did that do it for you? No, no. <laughs> well, anybody like that one? That was Francis. It's Ford. fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fun. But... I, don't, I feel like nobody liked it. I remember seeing it in theaters. I mean, it was thirty years ago. I haven't seen it since then, but I thought it was okay. I mean, he's played Lucifer. 
If you remember Angel Heart, he's played an air conditioning repairman of the future with Brazil. I mean, he t- tends to push the envelope sometimes. No, I feel like <laughs> he does. Taxi driver was his scariest role. Oh, no. So, not, yeah, I, 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 I yeah, concur yeah, with that. being real. All right. Uh, I mentioned the fact that, uh, that it is very likely to rain in our area, and a lot of people are just wanting to stay home because they want to not try their luck on Friday the 13th or because their workplace has canceled in-person work today. If you're going to recommend a film for somebody to take in today or this weekend, what are you recommending? Nick, you're the professional. I'll begin with you. I will say Dagon. Um, Dagon. Yeah, yeah. D-A-G-O-N, Stuart Gordon. It's also fitting in the rain because it's a shipwreck scene in off Spain, and these folks get stranded on an island, and the island is filled with really creepy people. And I don't want to give anything away, but it gets really wild and bizarre and scary. And I think it's one of the most underrated uh, horror movies. And, Dang of course, Stuart Gordon's Dolls as well. I mean, he's he's just a, a great director. Gina, how about you? Recommendation for folks this weekend? I just watched Talk to Me the other day. It's an A24 movie that came out. Um, that was a wild ride of a movie because basically the premise of it is it's a group of teenagers that find this hand. And when you hold the hand, it make something possess you but the rule is that after 90 seconds you have to let go of the hand or it'll possess you forever and one of them accidentally holds on for way too long and then all hell breaks loose quite wow. literally but it is wild and once again a24 is very psychological with what they do Give me the title one more time talk to me talk to me yes. okay uh marlena what do you have any recommendations for anybody i, I have two so if, i'm gonna go um if you have children that you are showing horror films to like i am to go a little how less they, crazy. How, oh, Ten years old, and what's the other? Six. Age? And you show to both of them. <laughs> yes. Good. Okay. Sorry, right. my and, mom did the same thing. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> kind of. Well, that's debatable. It's, it's debatable. Right? <laughs> we Ouija, right? Because it's it like it's just scary enough, um, and it's just entertaining enough. Um, or um, my little one likes The Conjuring too. She likes The Nun, Fantastic. which don't ask me why. But if you really want to sit in, and I'm going to go kind of go, this is still horror, but it's not a film, but on Netflix, The Haunting of Hill House, which came oh out like God. two years ago, that mm. is something to binge watch. Mm-hmm. And I, I not with you, your you kids, You mean though. the new, not the original, but you're talking about- Well, the, I remember The House with, on Haunted with, Hill yeah, yeah, with yeah. Vincent Price, right? right? No, The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, oh okay, right. It's a series oh, it's instead a series. of a film. Yeah, I'm going oh, a little off the film. real story, the true story- that took place in New Jersey? Or no, that was called The Watcher. Oh, okay, right. This gotcha. is called Haunting of Hill House. Fantastic. And honestly, and if some, someone who's a writer, uh, you would... Uh, did you see this? On, I, I don't know. I've not seen it. Oh, it's, it's a incredible. series, and it's very good. And, and um, it, 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 you know, it takes you from back then to the present day, and it twists, it goes, it twists and turns. And so it's, like, not super gory, but it's a great... St- like, you just... That's why you want to binge watch it. So if you have, like, you know... I think there's probably eight episodes. You get need about eight hours. <laughs> you it's mentioned good. Nick. Uh, that you're a musician as well. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the fact that uh, you try to do a lot of the music for your films. Tell me, wh- I mean, um, Marlena talked about the haunting soundtrack of Halloween. Uh, I think you recognize a lot of these films by their soundtrack. Tell me the role sound and music in particular plays. In the process of making a horror film and making a successful horror film and scaring someone. Well, music definitely plays in. So does sound design, right? So, um, But sound in general is 
very, very much a contributing character almost in horror, this, the, the way you build it. If you ever mute a horror movie and watch it, I mean, sometimes it can almost feel comical without the sound. Like Friday the 13th is a great example. Without that kill, 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 kill kind of like sometimes he's just coming. It's like, uh, you know, it's just that little something that adds to it. In terms of music, John Carpenter's that that riff he did in Halloween is just it just plays so well. And and it's very like reflexive also of what like Goblin did, you know, when they were doing those um, uh, the Dario Argento films, you know, like it just it just brings this trance like kind of, you know, groove to the to the story that just um, helps to pull you it along. Ta- it takes you it takes you with it. Right. It so does. whenever yeah. I'm editing my videos that I do with my kids and I've had them do like some horror stuff but it's like fun stuff but like you know scary not only forcing them I, to watch horror films but force them to I eat did. Actually, as well. actually and i could tell this after the fact i did a whole series like the doll in the hall whatever with them when they were younger but um last year i just did a quick like we're getting michael myers out of the attic and it was called waking bad and so i and it you know when you find the right sound to go along with it because i will go through sound after sound or like music and as soon as I hit it, I'm like, that's the one, you know, and you know that it's going to explain what you're trying to explain without anyone talking, you know, yeah. the opening of the attic, the cre- the footsteps and the breathing and all of that stuff. It's it really I, I agree. Like without it, it, it really takes away from the film. Uh, Gina, yeah. I know you're a music aficionado as well. Uh, what do you think in terms of which which horror films have the best soundtrack or the best use of music? Well, obviously, we talk about John Carpenter and Halloween, and obviously, Jaws is another one. With the, oh yeah, I'm petrified of sharks. Do we can, <laughs> do we me is anyone not? Petrified do we consider Jaws a a horror movie? Yes, for me, yes. It's personally. a monster under the ocean. Yeah, you know? I, I and, guess so. And, and, and yeah. something evil, I think, was the other one he did that was about the doll with the red eyes. Right. So Steven right. Spielberg did cross into that a few times. Yes. He directed a couple yeah. of night galleries too, which mm-hmm. were pretty spooky. I will say though, it's not it's not even just composition. Like another one would be like Saw, like the end of the Saw movies. Every time the what happens the song plays but the choice of music not just composed by whatever the composer was but rather the choice in an actual movie also makes the difference like for example jordan peele's us he uses i've got five on it no one would ever think that a 90s hip-hop song would make Mm. sense in a horror movie but it comes on in the car while they're all driving at one point and they're all like it it gets stuck in your head but then towards the end of the movie i'm not going to spoil it for anyone who's never seen it but this scene in the movie, they turn it into an orchestrated version of I Got Five on it at the end wow. of the movie, and it comes full circle. I've never seen it. It was us. incredible. And I, I like, it's, uh, it's I like Jordan there. Peele. Um, it's, it's fantastic. You know, you guys both alluded to uh, John Carpenter. I know he came back for the more recent Halloween films. Uh, he's always had an interest in horror, it seems, but why did he step away from the Halloween franchise at a time when it seemed like it was just so incredibly ascendant? Anybody know the answer to that? I think he felt like it was done. Like, mm. his, his time with it was done. He did what he wanted to do. He did what he had to do. And then whoever picked up the licensing or copyright or whatever it was after the fact kind of just did free reign with it. One franchise that has uh, been almost unmentioned, except for when Marlena mentioned seeing the first film in her youth, is one of my favorites, Nightmare on Elm Street. I love the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I love the idea of Freddy Krueger as a a character. I just People are always so scared of their dreams to begin with. To have somebody go after you in your dreams is just uh, tremendous. I think um, that's an I, that's an example of a franchise where the first film was so great, and then a lot of the sequels were were pretty weak. How do you guys rate uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and its sequels? Well, I love Nightmare on Elm Street. 
I think that Dream Warriors is criminally underrated. I think it was fan- is that three fantastically or four? done. Three. Three. It was three. Um, I think it was I think it was great. And honestly, I think that Freddy Krueger brought a whole new element to horror that we really didn't see yet because we got I call it sarcastic horror where it was kind of like there's this character comes and you get this with child's play too with like right. the, the vocal slasher because we had silent Michael Myers, we had silent Jason. We had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was also just the guy in the mask, and he didn't say anything. He just went out and killed everybody. It was terrifying. But now you have this character that comes. He's sarcastic. He's funny. He's making you laugh. You're almost rooting for him the entire time because it's so funny. And I sound crazy saying that, but uh, when you're no, watching. I, Again, this, I, is, I, I this is the creativity and the, the psychoticness of horror that brings forward, brings out of people. Um so for it's me, it's even like, more twisted than that because he's a child molester. Yeah, it's and so he has right. this You're appeal of this being able humorous to kind of pull you in and reel you in, like, hey, kids, right. I got some candy for you. <laughs> it's a you chari- know, like, it's a charisma thing. Right. Like I don't root for Pennywise, and so is he, technically speaking. Right. Well, that's just and that's I, true. I, I can't stand yeah. that character. It was like, well, this is he's awful. a clown. People are scared of clowns because <laughs> you don't know yeah. where they're coming from for real, right? Because their faces are just frozen in emotion. Right. I think that's where I draw the line with horror films, though. Like, so there's, I always had this like. Uh, this rule there's a couple things that i don't love right so you t- you mentioned saul yeah i don't like the whole torture thing not a fan of that type of horror because it feels a little too real see yeah. all this other stuff is so fake like there is no freddy krueger right um <clears throat> but the kid thing so when you put kids in a film i always know okay i always used to know nothing crazy is gonna go down right so i that's kind of how i select it mm-hmm. now for my kids i'm like oh there's kids what's it rated whatever but with it and you know Pennywise, like I don't know, it it's super dark that exactly. these kids are really actually like it, the, the kid lost his arm or whatever. Yeah, I'm like I don't think that's I a like Stephen it. King thing. Like Stephen, you mm. notice Stephen King Stephen puts King King King, is a whole kids panel in itself quite a bit. <laughs> it's know? it's kind of it's a bit much. Um, you know, in listening to you know. guys, the various uh, villains that you've just described, you know Michael Myers and Jason. There's certainly uh, Norman Bates. Certainly, there's something you can sympathize with about them. There's an aspect of them, you, you could think, okay, well, they had a bunch of bad breaks and uh, they, they were wronged at uh, a bunch of different junctures in their life. All right, it's easy to understand why they killed all these people. Uh, Freddy Krueger, probably a little less so. Somebody like Pennywise, not at all. Who are the other nuanced horror movie villains? You, you got you still got me on Freddy Krueger. Can I finish? Yeah, yeah, with please. That? Sorry, yeah. Okay, so one of the things you. that I think is super interesting about horror when it gets to that next level is the how it reflects our cultures. It's like this morality play, right? But with with uh, Robert Englund and, and the whole like Freddy Krueger thing, you're talking about it like we said a child molester. But then how does he become the the monster? Tremendous, like he becomes this disfigured monster mm-hmm. that comes back and haunts them in their dreams. Well, it's almost like because the parents become a monster too. They like go take vengeance on him and like burn him and then that the product the spawn of their anger comes back to haunt them in their dreams and their nightmares i mean it's so poetic and brilliant at the same time as it being humorous it's 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 a really amazing series yeah you know and that's a west craven series as well gina mentioned west craven's role in the scream franchise the first collaboration that uh, Wes Craven had with the uh, progenitor of the Friday the 13th series, Sean S. Cunningham, was the original Last House on the Left, oh, yeah. which uh, you know I've seen several times. 
you want to talk about, you know, torture and, uh, you know, rape scenes. I mean, that is a film that's not just wild. scary. That's disturbing. Which film? It's Last dark. House on the Left. Oh, that was, uh, that's tipping the iceberg of horror going into, like, borderline. Yeah, but the protagonist <laughs> female is pretty strong and yeah. vengeful and right. comes back. and Yeah, Yeah, but that's how I was with, like, um, I I never finished Cape Fear. It kind of In the first, like, ten minutes, I was like, I'm done with this. Like, mm-hmm. like that's the type of stuff. And that's why I say things, you know, I know you laugh at me about the Godfather thing, but there's other films that are, like, violent and and but it's reality like you've got people shooting people or tying people up or Mm -hmm. or attacking people where in these films um it's so fake that um it doesn't scare you on that level um that like the real violence well, does. Well, you know, it's gotcha. interesting that you mention uh, films that uh, that don't scare you on a certain level because when, in a moment, I want to ask you guys what you think the worst horror film you've ever seen is. It could either be a uh, horror film that's, that's campy, that's so bad it's good, or just so bad that it's bad. Uh, we'll continue with Marlena Schiavo, Nicholas Tanna, and Gina Limberopoulos in a moment. We'll, we'll, if we have time, we'll try and get a couple of your questions in at 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is the Friday the 13th edition of The Other Side of Midnight. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Cooper, welcome to my nightmare. Nightmare. That's right. We still play Alice Cooper on this program. I think he's canceled for something. What he did to be canceled, I don't recall. I'm sure it was something uh, involving saying something, calling someone the wrong pronoun or something. But uh, we have no problem uh, still playing his music, uh, especially on this Friday the 13th. If there's anybody that sounds like a horror movie, it's uh, it's Alice Cooper, and uh, we have three experts, Marlena Schiavo. The uh, host of New Jersey's premier Halloween party is here. Nicholas Tanna, award-winning filmmaker, director, producer, musician, and graphic novelist who is appearing Saturday at St. Mark's Comics. You can get your copy. You can purchase a copy of of Egen and get it signed and uh, that's a big opportunity to meet him and Gina Limberopoulos who is a social media manager and horror movie enthusiast now let me ask the three of you guys something those of us that watch Seinfeld know that the absolute worst movie of all time you don't even, uh, the Seinfeld fans know it, the Ed Wood fans know it but if you've never seen the film you can probably at least identify this brilliant piece Piece of dialogue. 
Eros, the Earth people are getting closer to that which we fear. Since they will not listen or respect our existence, they cannot help but believe our powers when they see their own dead walking round again, brought about by our advancement in such things. As soon as you have enough of the dead recruits, march them on the capitals of the Earth. Let nothing stand in your way. Their own dead will be used to make them accept our existence and believe in that fact. That's right. Those of you wondering why Chuck Grassley is still in the U.S. Senate, it all has to do with not plans one through eight from outer space, but plan nine from outer space, which a lot of people have said is the worst film of all time. Also, I believe was Bela Lugosi's last film. Some people say it's not that. Some people say it's Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Well, let's ask our uh, our expert panel here. Nicholas, you're gonna say, I didn't mean to steal your thunder there. You really you think did. it's the worst movie of I all time? I was about ready to go with the attack of the killed tomatoes but mind you when it when i say that worst like worst in a good way worst movies i don't watch the worst movies are the ones that i i haven't bothered like i'm, I'm imagining jason takes manhattan is really bad yeah. i didn't even watch it so i don't go see the ones that i think are gonna i save my lifetime but attack of the killed tomatoes i mean that was definitely entertaining and you should still see it but in a bad good way i see it's got such a great song i think it's worth seeing just for the song <laughs> Just for the credit sequence. Yeah, I love Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Gina, if you're picking a bad horror film, what is it? Well, you just said Jason Takes Manhattan. That's definitely a... Oh, sorry, we're all stealing each other's no, no, that's cool. And then you have Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is a cult classic. I hold near and dear to my heart. It's that's good. god-awful, but my god is it fantastic at the same time. And if we're going to just talk about something that'll gross you out beyond words, and it was so bad that it was good, it was Kevin Smith's Tusk. That movie was basically Human Centipede, except it was a guy getting turned into a walrus. Oh, my. Instead of Centipede. Oh, my. Uh, That's all I'm going to say for that. Marlena, what's yours? I've got two. An old one, which was called Student Bodies. Has anybody seen this? No. It sounds familiar. Uh, It's it's just a bunch of high school kids. And and again, there's like a janitor of some kind. And everybody keeps getting killed. Um, by horse head bookends, <laughs> like bookends yeah. shaped as horse heads, right? And then, and it's the strangest. Um, all you heard was this, <sighs> every time the guy was coming. Uh-huh. It's actually it is comical, and I maybe it was meant to be comical. I saw it so long ago. Anyway, there's that. Um, but he would always say like. Uh, like you would see it from his perspective, and he'd be approaching his victim, and he'd be like. <sighs> <sighs> and then he'd look around and go, I'll kill next at the football game. <laughs> right. Got I'll it. That's the, the must-miss okay. uh, category. No, you've got to see it. But the other one that was from about 2000 and something, early 2000s, was um, House, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses by Rob oh, Zombie. I love that movie oh so my much. God. Why didn't you like it? <laughs> I thought it was a ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh. and I thought it was done very, like, not, not, I slow. Just, it was slow, but it was. It also had a torture vibe to it, which it, I didn't oh, love. 100% does, yeah. Um, and then it just it didn't seem original at all. And he just he just I don't know. Well, it just seemed like cheaply done. Dwight you know? from the Office is in it. What's that? Dwight from the Office is in it. Before oh, right. before oh. Dwight was Dwight. Oh, yeah. He's oh in I it. didn't know that. Oh. I, I never saw that one. It's like it's why it's basically just a, a, an entire freak show of just a bunch of different awful things, but they're turning the people that attend the freak show into the freak show. That's the premise of it. Nick, as an artist yourself, where do you come down on House of a Thousand Corpses? You know, I um, I thought it was to be honest. I hate saying this because you know, what if I 
talk to Rob Zombie and be like, <laughs> I said something so bad about your movie, but but I, I, I found it a little like slow. Yeah, and and I'll admit I didn't finish it. Uh, let, let, <laughs> I saw it in the movie theater yeah, yeah, and I uh, stayed for the whole let, thing. Let me ask you about a film <laughs> that's uh, been making a lot of news recently because it has a, a sequel out in theaters. I haven't seen the sequel, but uh, I'm a big fan of the original. I loved when they re-released it, and that's uh, The Exorcist. I always thought that uh, I've seen a couple of The Exorcist sequels. I thought they were all just terrible, and uh, I think this was a film that should have never had a sequel. I think it was perfect. At is and I really find that the sequels have hurt this film's legacy. Uh, Gina, have you seen the new one? I did. I watched it on my own, um, and I will say it is not nearly as good as the original, as as we would assume. Um, there are things in it if you like the first one that you will like in this. However, they just didn't stick to the main story the way they thought they would, especially bringing back Regan's mom in this new one, which mm-hmm. that's not a giveaway. It's in the trailer. Um, but it's okay if you were an Exorcist fan. I okay, would so say to well, see it, I'm but it to wasn't. Hear that. It didn't hurt me like the way Halloween ends did. You know. Understood. Understood. Um, Nick, uh, thoughts on The Exorcist? I the original. Yeah. Oh, the original was one of those eps movies that I hung out by the stairs and hid and watched because I wasn't allowed to watch it because my parents were so scared of it <laughs> that they were like, you can't damage him. You can't let him watch that <laughs> because they were damaged from watching The Exorcist. Um, I, so that made me want to watch it. And and it was super scary. I mean, because that's, that is a film. This is my, uh, <laughs> that, is, that is a film that is literally um, you're dealing with like people's like faith, you know? You're mm-hmm. dealing with like, if God can't stop this creature, this thing, then we there's no control. I can take your daughter, it, then you've got nothing. There is something pretty scary about demonic possession, isn't there? Oh, yeah. absolutely. And that's why, um, you know, it's such a popular genre, really, because, I mean, The Conjuring has everything to do with, you know, possession, Annabelle and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, and then, then they try to say that there's some real element to it, like it was based on something sort of ish real, um, which always. Yeah, O'Reilly with, in his new book focuses on on that. It was a boy though, not a girl apparently. It was uh, the the real story, right? Yeah, right. It was I think Washington D.C. Right. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking still talking about the Exorcist. Sorry, I had moved on to the Conjuring in my mind, oh, but oh, yes. Um, um, I, I I do like the Exorcist. Um. And and wasn't Rosemary's baby a, a possessed thing too? Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, oh, sort yeah. of. I mean, yeah. I, the, no, honestly, the Exorcist was the, the devil, first right? of its the first of its kind. Like it was the devil. It was the devil reincarnate. That was Rosemary's baby. Right. But they never showed anything. There was implication of it. The Exorcist. I I was born in 1997. This was years and years before I was even born. But I can't even imagine going to the theater thinking you're just going to see another slasher or just this creepy horror movie. And then you walk in and there's a girl bent over, running down backwards mm. down the stairs, oh, screaming, right. speaking in tongues in Latin and Greek to her mom. Like, yeah. I, if you're a religious person in the 70s, I would have had, like, a heart attack. I, I And people were in the theaters. It's a thing. And yeah. I feel like there was nothing, no horror movie on this planet that did what Exorcist did for horror. It started horror the possession thing, yes. like, on film. Right. And but the book, you know, Blatty wrote that, you know, and it was pretty honest to the book, too, yeah. I think, which is, which right is also. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick. And we're almost out of time here. But is there uh, we've all talked about these sequels, which were not as good as the original. Is there any horror sequel which you find actually improves upon the original and is better than the original? I liked Halloween, the second one. Really? Like, I just saw the, the hospital, si- situation. Yeah, the hospital yeah. situation yeah. takes it into like a whole nother level. I did like yeah. Halloween, too. Yeah. 
Believe it or not. I don't think it's better than the first one. Though. No, I don't think it's better than the first one. And I don't think, I really don't, I'm trying to think of a horror movie that had a better sequel than the first one. But I will say, the, I don't know if you've ever seen The Strangers. That first movie was incredible. It's it's a, it's based on serial killers and running around. It's based on the Keddie Cabin murders, which not a lot of people know about. But if you guys look it up, you'll, mm-hmm. that's what it's based on. There's a second one that came out. And I think the cinematography of the second one is so beautifully done that it makes it just as good as the first one. Marlena Shivo, Gina Limberopoulos, Nick Tana, a stellar job, all of you. Uh, Nick, tell us one more time where people could see you this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be at St. Mark's Comics in Brooklyn, uh, signing Saturday at 8 o'clock. Come on down. The few copies that we've got left of E-Junkie, you can get those. Check out E-Junkie flying off the shelves. All right. Um, in Until next hour, where we got some really interesting stuff coming your way, Unpleasant Dreams. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.